My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. And with A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Iteria and Trachonitis, and Lysenius was tetrarch of Abilene. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the desert. John went throughout the whole region of Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one crying out in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. The winding roads shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. The Gospel of the Lord. One major life change for me as a result of the, the craziness of the viral pandemic has been going through what I've called a media detox. I'm not sure of when exactly in the almost two years that all of this has been going on, but there was a moment and a shift for me when I started to realize how much information I was consuming on a regular basis. I would go in the car and had satellite radio with hundreds of options that were competing for my attention just as I was driving around, turn on the television just to catch up on some current events while maybe answering some emails or doing something else and then finding myself getting drawn into interview after interview, story after story, not even aware of how much time was passing by. And without realizing it, every one of my devices, from my phone to my laptop to my iPod, was all in on the effort to help distract me or intrude in my life in ways that I didn't even recognize for a while, even while I was trying to pray. How did that happen? Well, a priest is ordained with one of the promises that he makes to have a commitment to prayer, which includes what's called the Liturgy of the Hours. So every priest and religious sister and and brother pray the, the Psalms of the Old Testament and other scriptures several times every day. And the book that we have is called The Breviary. Honestly, 26 years of praying with this thing, I still get confused by it. There's ribbons in the front, there's stuff that you have to flip to in the middle. Sometimes you have to flip to the back of the book for the saint's feast day. And there's an order and a rationale to it that does make sense, but I still find it easy to get lost. And sometimes I'll end up praying the wrong psalms or the wrong prayers for the day and then debating myself, do I have to go back and do the right ones now because I did the wrong ones? It's not easy being me sometimes. Anyway, Over a decade ago, several different groups created an app for your phone that has the Liturgy of the Hours just at the touch of a button. So without fail, every day it automatically downloads 
the correct readings and every time you're supposed to pray throughout the day. It even has audios for each of these hours of prayer, which is helpful when you're on the go. Maybe you want to pray in the car. You can even speed it up. Go like 1.5 times fast. Or you can fast forward through some of the optional stuff. So if I don't want to hear a hymn, I can hit the fast forward button. So I got used to having it just on my phone for this daily prayer. And morning prayer or evening prayer, I bring the phone with me into the chapel. It never dawned on me how as I'm praying it, all these news notifications would pop up. Which even if I ignored them, it was still enough of a distraction for me to go, I wonder what that was all about, especially someone with ADD. And especially during the height of the pandemic, when we were still unsure of what it was we were dealing with and things seemed to be changing multiple times a day, found it harder and harder to tune out all those stupid little notifications. And it was then that I started to realize that all of this, the phones, the radio, the TV, it made me addicted to getting information. But to be honest, I wasn't getting information. Maybe the first 10 minutes or so that I read or listened to some stories or so I did. But then after a while, all it was was more and more noise and fear. And sometimes manipulations by media figures or politicians or celebrities. Which the more I reflected on it, the more I realized that Ultimately, I never felt empowered or enlightened. I was getting anxious and angry and unsettled. And then just one day, I just decided to ban myself from bringing the phone with me to the chapel. I dug out the old book and tried to navigate all the ribbons again. And it was amazing. My prayer was much more focused. I mean, Jesus might still mess with me in my holy hour, and the Lord will always find ways to unsettle me, but not in a meaningless way or in a way that left me anxious or angry, but rather that caused me to do deeper reflection, such that I started to cut out more and more of all those different voices that I had let in that had free reign in my heart and mind. First, the satellite radio went, then watching cable news every night, then figuring out how to silence and opt out of all those email notifications and text updates, turning the phone off completely, leaving it in another place. And an amazing thing happened. I started to sleep better. I felt less anxiety and stress. It wasn't even until a couple months ago when there was another major news story that I was frustrated about, and I found myself starting to slip back into some of those old bad habits that it really hit me how if I'm not vigilant, how easily I can allow those different voices to enter into my life and dominate my thoughts and feelings. While they all have responsibilities, and I'm not saying I don't pay attention or keep informed on what the president or the governor is saying, what's happening in the courts or in Congress, what headlines are even being made in the church, ultimately their sphere of influence has diminished in my life, which has proven life-giving and improved my physical and mental health. But even more importantly, it's helped deepen and renew my faith, which during a time which we're living, where we're still seeing so much upheaval and tension and stress and anxiety. I don't even want to torment you with the the Google results I found just typing depression just from this past week, which all cites 
new sources of it, or studies validating how much worse that depression epidemic is growing. In short, God's not going to be found in any of those sources. His word is not being broadcast from those places. And his answers to the prayers and longings of our hearts are often not even remotely on the agenda of many of these individuals. The more things change, the more they stay the same. That is something that clearly comes through the readings today. Throughout salvation history, God's people have found themselves facing difficult times. The first reading today comes from a prophet that we rarely encounter at Mass, who's a minor prophet named Baruch. He's minor not because what he says isn't important, it's just that he just didn't write a lot. But he was writing to, to people hundred years before, hundreds of years before Christ, during a time when the people of God were exiled. For the people who were exiled, all around them were reminders of what they lost, how far they had fallen. The news of the day was always bleak. And this prophet breaks onto the scene and speaks the word of the Lord to God's people, telling them to stop mourning and to get their hopes up. God himself was coming to save them, and he would lead them out of exile. And nothing would stop it. He would level mountains. He would fill in valleys to create this highway where he would lead the people himself back to Jerusalem. But in order for this to happen, they had to start to tune out all those negative voices in their worlds. All those negative voices that they had taken to heart. They had to open their ears and listen to these words of joyful anticipation and let that inspire confidence within. Those images and those themes are repeated in the gospel today. And we see how those prophecies weren't just to a particular people with specific trials and tribulations. At the time of the gospel, while the people of God had come back to Jerusalem and they had a temple again, all of that was a facade of what was and what was meant to be. God's people were not meant to be living oppressed lives, enslaved, which for all intents and purposes they were. Those who were supposedly meant to be in the service to God, whether it was Jewish authorities or religious figures like the high priest, were not supposed to be cooperating with secular pagan forces like the Romans, who had no love of God or his word or his commands. These religious figures and authorities had made a deal with the devil. They placated Rome. They sold the people out and let Rome, let them maintain positions of power and authority. It was a big old mess. And God's people were similarly discouraged by the bleakness of the world in which they lived and their news of the day. Where was there any evidence of God's reign or the fulfillment of his promises to be found? Where could God's people experience joy or peace? And that's why I love this passage from from the Gospel of Luke. Luke goes through very specific details. He names names of all the movers and shakers, all the people of power and authority and influence, whether they be Roman or Jewish, of that time and age, 
to highlight an important pivotal fact. Those looking for signs of God's reign, those still awaiting the fulfillment of his promises, those remembering his promises of joy and peace that God had made, none of it would be coming from any of those individuals that Luke lists. None of that could be found in those lofty locales that people would think to look. Luke says simply and dramatically, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the desert, of all people and in all places. Intentionally, God bypasses all the places of influences and sends a prophetic voice calling people who want to encounter the coming of God, telling them how and where to find him. John calls the people to stop looking around the world at others for that encounter. And instead tells them that first they need to look within. They have to prepare by repenting and seeking forgiveness of sin. And then he points out that this is a universal call for those who feel abandoned or unwanted or isolated, whether because of illness or poverty or or oppression. John proclaims, God sees and loves you. And he's coming to fill in all those valleys of despair that keeps you feeling that like you can't, can't experience this encounter. For those who had gotten caught up in, in the things of this world, were desiring things and striving after fame and prestige from the world, or the accolades of mere fellow mortals, John's proclaiming, God sees and loves you too and wants to level those mountains, humbling them to recognize they're not God and they need him. This second Sunday of Advent, John the Baptist's words in his message remain the same to us here and now. It's embarrassing to me to realize that while I would never have said it with my lips, but in some ways my attitudes and behaviors demonstrated that I was looking for prayers to be answered or fulfillment to be found in all the wrong places. It seems ridiculously obvious, but my true joy is never going to come from any politician. My peace cannot be dependent upon something that does or does not happen in the news. That's something that as Christians we say we believe and just detoxing from letting all those voices in to the extent that I was helped to underscore that that wasn't always being lived out. What is it for you? Who are the voices that perhaps have more authority in your life than they should? What are the habits and behaviors that demonstrate what is a priority and maybe shouldn't be? What sins need repenting? What valleys need to be filled in and mountains leveled? This second Sunday of Advent, John the Baptist confronts us, reminding us of God's arrival, that Jesus steps into human history, not just 2,000 years ago in a manger, but into our histories here and now. Are we ready to meet him? Are we attentive to his presence? If there's some doubt, perhaps we may all find the need to detox from things and voices and influences that somehow obscure seeing him as the only answer to our deepest of cares and worries. 
both here and now and for all eternity.